Have you dreamed of bigger things for your life? Then you are in the right place. Each week, you will be given tips on how to change your inner dialogue, conquer your goals, and ways to step into a higher version of yourself. I'm your host, Lauren Kubat. I'm a motivational speaker who hosts personal development events. I'm a sought-after fitness instructor, a wife, and a mom of two young boys. I'm obsessed with all things personal development, and I believe anyone can achieve the life they want. Let the Become Your Vision podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning into this episode today. So from the title, you have heard that this episode is going to be about failure, failing forward, and I interviewed Tiffany Beverly, and how we met is kind of interesting. Uh, so I share all about that here in a little while. But what I loved about our conversation is Tiffany has followed so many different paths in her life, and she hasn't been afraid to take risks or hasn't been afraid of trying something new, whether someone agreed with her or not. I feel like oftentimes in our life, we feel like we have to be on one path and one path only. And that's just not realistic. We change as human beings. We, our interests change. Uh, The people that we're with change. You know, we grow, we learn new things. So I think I know this episode will encourage you to allow yourself to accept and search for change in in your life if you are feeling like maybe something's off or you're a little bit unsure um, I think Tiffany will just spark you know the possibility of knowing you can go after whatever it is you want so enjoy the episode and I'd love to hear what you think Hi guys, welcome back to the show. Today I have a guest. I love chatting with guests. Her name is Tiffany Beverly. Maybe you've seen her on social media. She is a network marketing expert who has once was once a factory worker, but is now a seven-figure annual earner. Tiffany entered adulthood by serving her country in the United States Air Force, in which she earned praise for her service in the missile and supply units at Grand Forks Air Force Base. Post-Air Force, Tiffany spent five years working in food manufacturing and was a line worker at Anheuser-Busch. She decided to leave manufacturing for a career in sales and marketing. In her 20-year career, she led organizations for companies in 11 countries around the world. She took a company from bankruptcy to over a billion dollars in sales. Billion but with a B. <laughs> she created systems and trainings to lead employees and salespeople around the globe. She now coaches and consults for companies to increase employee performance and morale system, sales systems and overall bottom line. Mm-hmm. Tiffany is a published author, philanthropist, and highly sought after transformational speaker. Her most coveted title is that of mother to her daughter, Cody, and their cat, Sushi Ann, such a cute name. <laughs> and now she is in the D.C. area. Tiffany, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Um, before we hit record, we found out. So um, 
I don't know. What's, what's the saying that you're connected by like seven people somehow? Yeah. Six degrees of separation, <laughs> six degrees of separation. That's right. Um, so my husband has an uncle Michael, like he's just, he's one of those, he's awesome. So <laughs> anyway, um, a while back when I started my motivational speaking journey, we went home, uh, for Christmas and uncle Michael was there and he's like, you know, there's this woman, her name is Tiffany. She, um, spoke at our church. You should really talk to her. And and it's just funny how, like, so I've been following you for a few years now and then started the podcast last year. It's weird that, you know, it's come, I don't know, kind of like full circle. Yeah. So shout out. to That's awesome. It's amazing how connected we all are, um, in so many different, in so many different ways. And I think that's the power of building a network and true relationships, because I'm glad he didn't tell you don't get this lady named Tiffany. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Is, isn't that funny though? Like you, you hear something negative and I feel like that spreads way faster than the good sometimes, you know? It does. It does. They say, um, so in, in sales, we would talk about uh, customer service a lot and how we did everything. I think they said um, negativity spreads 14 times faster than positivity. So as humans, we slant to the negative. We, we lean into it. And so if someone hears something, a juicy tidbit of gossip or some negativity, that will spread like wildfire, but something really good will kind yeah. of just sit there and simmer. But isn't that sad yeah, to think about, you know, it's like, I don't know It's like, we just all told people like what we were thinking, all the, like the good stuff. Like, I feel like it would definitely spread more, you know, I think, yeah. as, especially in this time, people are in this like negative state to hear a thing. And it's like, eh, it's so consuming. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's unfortunate that we are uh, choosing a path of negativity in a difficult time already. Mm. Uh, it's, it's bad enough. Right. Mm. But I mean, totally. we all have, we all have a choice and we all have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. And we just have to decide what choice and what responsibility we're going to take. We're going to spread something mm-hmm. and we have to be intentional about what that is. And sometimes when you don't have an intention, you're going to spread negativity because silence is an answer too, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, just being the person that says, I'm going to share light. I'm going to give a little bit of joy. I'm going to be responsible for someone smiling today mm. um, makes a big, big difference. And I feel even though negativity does spread faster than positivity, I think people want positivity so bad. I think the positivity has a greater impact, oh. right? Even if they don't go yeah. tell everyone, look what this person did for me. It's like that pay it forward vibe, right? And it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll actually go to someone else and go to someone else. And, and we could be the source of that every single day. I love that. And just like what you said, like be intentional. And I, I uh, say that a lot when I'm teaching group fitness or it's on the podcast or whatever. It's like, yeah, sometimes we live such a crazy, well, we do, we live such a crazy life that, you know, we forget to pause in the morning. Maybe it's getting kids ready for school or just like chaos. Maybe it's dogs, whatever, that we don't like pause and be like, I'm in control. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, of how I react and let me be intentional about how I react. So I love that you said that. You guys, 
I wanted to interrupt this episode because tickets are officially on sale for the Become Your Vision Women's Conference on September 26th in Mount Pleasant in South Carolina at the Ion Meeting House, also known as the Ion Chapel. I will be speaking. I'll have a guest speaker. There could be giveaways, music, treats, workshops. The energy is high and you will be surrounded by like-minded women who want to better themselves. So when you leave my event, you're going to feel empowered to challenge your thoughts and your critical inner voice. You're going to know that you're not alone in the struggles that you face. You're going to experience breakthroughs through the workshops that I create. And you're going to feel so connected to yourself and the other women in that room because we are all so much alike in terms of the hardships we have faced and the struggles that we deal with every single day. It's our critical inner voice and it could be so mean sometimes. So like I said, I will be speaking. I'm going to share my story with you. We all have a story, so I'm going to share mine with you. I have a guest speaker. Her name is LB Adams. She's a TEDx speaker. She was the TEDx MC. She's also an author. You are just going to get so much goodness from her talk. And then I'm going to have a special guest and I'm going to keep her a surprise, but she is a remarkable person, super inspiring, super inspiring. Uh, it's just going to be so good to listen to her. Tickets will go fast because people are needing connection again and wanting to experience life and to literally become the person that is their vision. That's the reason I created this podcast and these events. So I'm asking you, why not you and why not now? So before you talk yourself out of an opportunity that is literally knocking on your door, hear that? Yeah, that's me knocking. I want you to know that even if we've never met, we're friends. There's a reason you're listening to this episode. You need to be there. You do. So come by yourself or bring a friend or send someone you think that may need this. And just want to remind you that there's no need to be scared or nervous because you have friends in that room. You just haven't met them yet. And I want to meet you. I really do. So go to the link in my show notes to purchase your tickets. The event is September 26th. You got to jump on this. You guys can't wait to see you there. So on Instagram and like the videos you share, you speak with such power and confidence. Have you always been that way? No, (laughs) Mm. not at all. Not at all. I would say I was always very vocal. I was Mm. always very vocal but I feel like the confidence and if you if you feel power, that has come over time. That is something I've definitely worked on, not mm. to come across powerful, but to increase my internal power, my, my own confidence. And I really feel confidence and power comes from doing it and doing it over and over, from falling and getting back up, from learning, from being able to look back and say, well, this was a lot better this time. And I feel like that's where that power and confidence comes from. Another reason, you know, I I get that a lot. And I feel like what a lot of people don't understand is that I, it's not really me that you're saying, right? It's not really me. I'm just a vessel and um, I, my faith, I'm a believer. And so I really do every time I speak, whether it's on a podcast or on a stage in front of 
30,000 people, which I've had the honor of doing. Um, I always pray before, let them see all of you and none of me. And mm. I, I feel like when you can actually give that over, then uh, you come out a whole lot better. Because <laughs> mm. I, um, I am a whole lot better when I do that than I am when I rely on my own, my mm. own skill or my own understanding or my own desire to be good. So, so that's really what a lot of people do. And I've practiced that. I've been speaking this way for over 20 years and um, I've practiced just turning it over. Do I prepare? Yes, I definitely prepare. Mm -hmm. um, I get up there and have, have an idea. I have a plan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes his plan intercedes and it's a little bit different, but it's always better. But that, that's what, that's what you're seeing. And then for most people, that's what you're feeling mm. when, when I speak. So it's uh it's not a performance, right? Yeah. It's not a performance. And, and it's, and that's why. Say that saying again, I hope you see all of you. I always of... pray. I always pray that my audience sees all of him and none of me. Okay. So when I'm praying, I say, yeah. let them see all of you and none of me. Mm -hmm. um, and that way it takes me out of the equation completely. Yeah. My ego, um, I'm completely humble. And when I remember that the only reason I have this platform is to share light, is to share that message, is to deliver what he wants me to deliver. And, and I'm not a preacher, right? Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't do that. So it's, I, I mean, I'm a motivation. Well, I'm not even that. I, I feel like I'm a transformational speaker, but a lot of it has to do with business and leadership and mindset right. most of the time but you can still share light and in my case share god's light in me and mm -hmm. so you can still share that and so i turned that over to him um mm. before i hit the stage and not that i can do well not that they love it not that i get a standing ovation not <laughs> that i crush it and they think i'm awesome that they see him and what he wanted them to see and let it come through me mm. and so every time that. every time I do that, um, yeah. people are blown away. Wow. So have you, oh, like when you were first speaking, did you have, were you, did you always have that type of mindset or how did you prepare? Cause I'm, I'm coming up on an event. Um, Congratulations. thank you. Uh, my women's conference is like 10 days away, but anyway, wow. yeah, I'm excited. And this time around, um, I mean, approaching it way different. So I guess this is a selfish question um, compared to the last No selfish time. questions. If someone gets a chance to listen in, it's yeah. going to help somebody else too. True, true. So, um, and I'm more, I'm, I'm channeling excitement rather than nerves this time too. I'm like, mm. I'm super excited. Instead of saying I'm nervous, I've not said, I don't think I have said I'm nervous at all this time because I want to channel excitement and exude excitement, which I'm totally excited for, you know? Um, but when you first, you spoke in front of 30,000 people, how did you, did you have adrenaline going through you like prior or what did that feel like? Uh, it, it felt there's definitely adrenaline. There are nerves. I just channel it. I've learned to channel it in a different way. Mm. Um, a big stage like that, there's a lot going on in your head, a lot going on in your mind. But what I've learned to do is I've learned to quiet the noise. Mm. I've learned to quiet the noise. I'm not in the arena. It doesn't matter if I, I've spoken in front of three people. So mm. I have, um, and I, I've been more nervous in front of three than I have been in front of 300. And 
and and and what I've learned to do is it's the same every time because I I take every speaking engagement seriously. This mm-hmm. is important to me. It's not oh well we're just on a Zoom. It is important to me because as Jim Rohn said, every time you get a chance to share, you have an obligation to mm-hmm. to share light. You have an obligation to bring it, and so because you don't know who's listening. You don't know who's listening. We don't know who's going to listen to your podcast, driving along, just needing something. And maybe they hear something from us that can change the course of their day, their week, their months, their career, their life. And so Mm. every time is important. So for me, there's always adrenaline, but I do not, I do not go into the arena until I absolutely have to. So there are people Mm. who hang out, they're in the green room, they're talking, they're chatting. I have a ritual and I am nowhere to be found. I will not be in there because I don't want to hear what anyone else is saying or speaking Ah. about. I don't want to monitor because I'm there on my own assignment and what someone else is bringing has nothing to do with me. Um, I, even when I have to get backstage to get mic'd up after it's done, I steal away completely as far as I can. And I go into a zone and um, I've learned to focus like athletes who throw a free throw. Mm-hmm. There's all these crazy people trying to get them. That's as focused as I am, because in that type of environment, even if it's virtual, there are distractions everywhere. Totally. Um, I have and, and I prepare like crazy for every talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this is a candid conversation, but I always prepare mm-hmm. for, um, for my actual speaking engagements. I don't memorize, but I know the flow. I know where I'm going. I've done it. I've done it a few times, uh, many, many times, actually. Um, I prepare and I prepare even more on what I'm going to say than I do how I'm going to say it. Mm. So I have, um, I have prepared 40 hours on an 18 minute talk. Yeah. I have put that much time into researching it, writing, um, deciding the points, um, practicing the delivery, how Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what. And I, and I learned that I actually learned that when I was six years old, Mm. Uh, my mom, I had to do a biography. I had to write a a book report on a biography of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I don't know, I, I can't remember this book, but in the book, it said that he practiced over 15 hours minimum before he delivered any of his speeches. Yeah. And my mom said, see, if you want people to remember, if you want to be great, you have to practice. And so that's something that I've always carried with me. Mm-hmm. So I, I practice many hours in the delivery. I practice, I, I put a lot of time in the content and then I steal away until it's time for me to walk out there and share what God has given me to share. And once then, and then that's when I light up. That's when, you know, it, it takes over. Yeah. I find that my, if there were any nerves, they're gone when I hit the stage, they're mm-hmm. gone when I hit the stage. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's my, my ritual and it helps me. I don't think about myself because I've turned it over. Yeah. My, my, my concern is not, um, what people will think of me. It's what, will he be proud of me after I'm finished? Right. Mm, and so, mm-hmm. um, because when you think of yourself, that's usually when people usually have the most stage fright mm-hmm. or they mess up or whatever the case may be. Um, it's because they're wondering what people are thinking about them. Totally. And, and I train a communication workshop and I say, tell people all the time, there are two types of people on a stage. There is a performer and there's mm. a communicator mm. and a performer is all about 
what did they think of me? Did they like this part? Why didn't they clap at this part? That wasn't funny. But a communicator is only there to deliver what is on their heart or what their assignment is. And when you get to the point where you communicate, because sometimes you have to communicate things they aren't going to laugh at. Yeah. Sometimes you have to communicate things that you're not going to get a standing ovation for. Mm -hmm. But it can always transform and change somebody's life. So that's that's where I am. That's, That's why it's a different experience for me now, no matter what stage I get on. And whether you're in this um, field or not of, you know, public speaking, you know, I think anybody can uh, steal these ideas of it's how you communicate, whether it's at work or with a family member or a friend, you know, you can practice these things of like how you want to deliver something instead of um, delivering something. Maybe it's in the heat of the moment and then, you know, shit hits the fan. (laughs) Well, you know, I was just, I was going to say, did you take my workshop? Because that's exactly how I start everything off. No matter whether you're on a stage or not, we are all public speakers. Mm. If you open your mouth and there are people around who can hear you, you are a public speaker. Right. That is all there's to it. And if more of us started seeing that that way, we would be more intentional about what we communicate. We would work harder on our delivery to the people we love and not like you said, react in the heat of the moment. But so many people think the minute they hear public speaking, there has to be 50 people or 500 or 5,000 people in the audience. But a lot of times the most important communication we're doing is when it's one-on-one to our children in the kitchen Mm. or to our spouse in our bedroom, or when we're having a difficult conversation with someone um, that we work with or that we love. So I teach people all the time that if you ever open your mouth and anyone else can hear it, you are public speaking. And you should take that very seriously because words do have power and they last way longer um, Mm -hmm. and and last and stay with a person for a very, very, very long time. And Mm -hmm. that is why we have to very, have to take it as an obligation and responsibility to make sure our words do good and not the, uh, not the opposite. That's so true. And it's, you think about these like rifts between people when they butt heads, it tends to be from the words that were said and how it was delivered. You know, that's when issues come into play. I, I agree hundred percent. Unfortunately, I have been on the wrong side of those conversations, which made me, mm. uh, which made me really work and change that. I have uh, said things just to vent and mm. had someone repeat it back to me years later. And I'm like, what? Like, Ooh, are yeah. you, like seriously, but it affected them. Mm. It, it affected them. And, mm-hmm. um, and I have worked very hard to do my absolute best to pull myself back from my ego and emotion mm. to, Uh, a place of communication and not venting a place of transformation and not um, tearing down. I've worked very hard to do that because it's so that's the easy thing to do. The Mm. easy thing to do is talk off the top of your head. And that is um, wisdom is sometimes saying nothing, but delaying your response. So you can Mm. do your best to try to get it right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. 
let's go back to like the earlier days. Um, you were in the Air Force. Can you talk about that? What kind of ignited that was post high school? Yes, it was actually it was post college because okay. I went to high school, got a full scholarship to college. And my junior year, I just needed something different. I didn't mm. feel like I was on my path. And I, I think I was on my parents' path, but mm. I wasn't on my path. And I just um, decided to enlist and see what would happen. And so I went into the Air Force, wanted to travel the world, got stationed at Grand Forks Air Force Base, North Dakota, uh -oh. <laughs> which is not the most beautiful place in the world. It's cold. Um, but you know what happened? <laughs> It is, it's beyond cold. It's frigid. It gets oh. down to 60 and 80 below. Um, and it's mm -hmm. like that. It's, it's like winter nine months out of the year and the mm. three, or I should say two and a half months that it's summer, if you will. Um, the mosquitoes are so bad. It's crazy. It's flat. And, you know, oh. so it wasn't the most picturesque, beautiful place, but what happened to me was, um, what happened for me there was absolutely beautiful to my for my life. I grew, mm. I really grew into me there. Um, I, um, it's something about serving your country. You know, yeah. it's something about serving your country. I, I think it's even more than the country. I think it's serving people and something as important as liberty and freedom. Mm. And I know the country is in a weird place, um, a, an unfortunate place with mm. uh, the way people view the flag and the country and all that kind of stuff. And I've had mixed emotions on a lot of things that I've seen, but I am still proud that um, I served because it really was about each individual person's liberty and freedom. And that's mm. really what it's about. It's not if you agree with me or not. It's yeah. the fact that in this country, you have the right to say it and do whatever yeah. you want. And that is what I fought for. So mm -hmm. I really grew up in the Air Force and then I got accepted into a commissioning program and went back to college on scholarship and graduated from um, an historically black college, Mississippi mm -hmm. Valley State, and then um, found myself in manufacturing after that. So, mm. so working a lot of, a lot of career type stuff that didn't turn into long-term careers. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like that's so cool. Um, I don't know. I got caught up when you're younger. Maybe there's younger listeners or um, just like this transition um, period of their lives where you think just because you choose a path, some people feel like they have to stick it out because yeah. this is the path that I, I chose. And what are people going to think if I, I switch paths and I no one, no longer want to do this. Um, was there anything, did you like mindset wise when you were figuring yourself out to kind of help you get through, or was there any type of like, do you ever feel embarrassed for switching paths? Now I don't, um, I'm switching paths right now. Um, now I don't really care what anyone thinks. I feel yeah. then I, I caught slack. I mean, I was on a full scholarship when I dropped out of college, mm, um, yeah. complete full ride. Um, I was in my junior year. I was on the president's list. Mm. <laughs> I was like, and then I went home and on a break and said, you know, I'm not going back. I'm enlisting. And my mom especially flipped. She was like, like, and so was I embarrassed? I, I feel like I definitely was, 
But one of the good things that my parents did was raised me to make my own decisions. Mm. And my dad used to quote that, um, you know, used to quote to thine own self be true. And I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And I really accepted the fact that it was my life. And if it wasn't the greatest move, I could live with it if it was because my parents weren't really paying my way. Mm. Right. They weren't paying my way. They were supportive, but they weren't paying my way. And that is where I feel like I got true freedom. Look, I've learned a long, I learned a long time ago. If they're not paying your bills, (laughs) (laughs) nothing they say matters. And my parents (laughs) stopped paying my bills at 17 when I accepted that full scholarship to college. So after that, it's like, look, you don't have to pay for it. It's my life. And so not in a disrespectful way, but I did it and it really helped me. So I don't know. I, I think embarrassed in the initial shock of someone else that you love and respect, not agreeing. But that decision helped me make another very non-traditional, very um, frowned upon decision when I joined the profession of network marketing and direct sales. Yeah. But because I had weathered that storm my junior year in college, when everyone was like, don't join that, those things don't work. I was like, you know, yeah, I'm paying my bills since I was 17. You know, like right. it's been a decade. So I feel like, what do I have to lose? And right. that turned into me. Um, I mean, changing my life and becoming an entrepreneur and truly being able to live my dreams. Right. And that's, um, that's all part of life. You, you have to fail to, you know, to figure it out. You have to fail to learn. And, um, I want to encourage listeners right now, if they're like afraid to try something new, it's like, what is holding you back. It's the fear of what might happen. Um, a fear of a story that you are creating in your head. You don't know if it's going to happen or not. And if it does happen, it's meant to for some reason. So, um, but just, that's pretty courageous of you, especially at such a young age to be like, "Mm, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to figure it out because I feel like, there's a lot of people that don't ever figure it out. Or if they do figure it out, it's like later in life where they stood their ground, you know? So what helped you become so strong in your path? I I really didn't feel strong. I, I didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel strong. I just felt I had to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. I really had to do it. I didn't feel just, you know, uh, there's a quote that I just recently fell in love with is um, the opposite of courage is not fear. It's conformity. It's conformity. Mm -hmm. And that's why I seemed courageous. I just refused to conform. And Mm -hmm. the lack of conformity wasn't because going to college and getting a degree and getting a corporate job was like, Oh, that's terrible. It wasn't for me. It Mm -hmm. wasn't for me. And so, so my being willing to step out and not conform, I cried many nights. There were Mm -hmm. times where I sat back and I was like, should I call my mom? Like, should I call my mom? Mm -hmm. Um, And when I decided to go into the air force, I went into basic training And we weren't allowed to call our family for like 14 days. And the first time we got a chance to make a phone call, I called my mom and I heard a voice and I cried. Like, I don't even know if our conversation, we had a conversation, I cried. And I didn't ask to come home. I didn't say I made a mistake, but I cried. And she said, you're going to do great. And after that, I did. I did. And so 
uh, it wasn't. So I think the thing is sometimes not conforming is what you have to do. The, mm-hmm. You know, I, I heard someone say the biggest problem in the world today is people don't think. Mm. They don't think. And yeah. so now what looks like, I think I want to go a different path. I think I want to try something different. I think I want to delay college for maybe four years and come back and get it. That yeah. is not the norm. So me not conforming looked courageous, but it was just me thinking. Yeah. And that is what's crazy is that we are not rewarded for thinking, not yeah. even thinking out of the box, thinking for yourself. Yeah. And um, and for me, I learned to redefine failure. Uh, I learned to redefine failure. I learned that in about my first, yeah, it was probably my first four years of, of entrepreneurship. I learned to redefine failure because I always wanted to win. I always, I mean, I was on, I, I went to college on a full scholarship. You know, I was on the president's list in college. So it didn't look like I failed. I was used to quote unquote succeeding, but really I was just getting really great at conforming. I was mm. a high level conformist. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and then when I started failing, I realized I was the reason why I quote unquote failed was because I thought of something that was new and different mm-hmm. and I tried it and it didn't give me the desired result, but it did give me confidence. It did give me personal power and it did give me information that this isn't the way we're going to have to pivot and we're going to have to do it better. And so John C. Maxwell has an incredible book called failing forward mm-hmm. and it freed me. It completely freed me. Um, and and that that um, helped me redefine failure. So I don't look at anything as failure. I just look yeah. at everything as a lesson learned. Mm-hmm. And the question is not why did this happen to me, is what has this done for me? Right. And what am I going to get out of it? What am I going to become better? Lord, what was I supposed to learn here? Mm-hmm. So I don't have to repeat this because that's failure. Failure is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. I know. Mm. I mean, and you know, and you don't even know any better. Right. So that's, that's what I just redefined a lot of things. And, and, you know, I don't want to seem all philosophical about it, but it kind of really is because Mm. your personal philosophy is what guides your path. Mm. And now 21 years later, I can look back at it and maybe seem sound philosophical. But as I was going through it, it was messy. It was so ugly. It was in a lot of ways embarrassing, but Mm. it was always freeing. It was Mm. always freeing because I was doing my thing. Yeah. And um, you chose it. Nobody told you. Yeah. That's it. Talk to us about, um, cause I think it's just interesting. This is one of the things that, um, uncle Michael pointed out <laughs> was that, um, you are a factory line worker. At, yeah. Okay. So, so that was post air force. Yes. Okay. Post talk- air force post-college degree. Post-college. Okay. So talk to us about that. Like how did you, um, go from the air force to that? So I went from the Air Force back to college and got a degree. And my degree was in business. I feel like uh, that's what I was supposed to do. Got it, but got a business degree. And my dad was in manufacturing. My dad was in mm. manufacturing for half his life. Mm. And um, because he was in manufacturing, I was able to work summers in factories. Um, and they paid way better than the movie theater that I worked at in high school. They, 
paid way better than a lot of the jobs my college friends had to take. And so, um, so because of that, I, I kind of already had an end to factory work. Now I never got a job after college with my dad, but because I had these years of experience working holidays and summers, now I have a college degree. Mm. I was able to put my name out there as a person for manufacturing. And I was, you know, highly, highly recruited. And Mm. so I went into manufacturing as a frontline supervisor. And, and um, so I did the line. My first factory was Pepperidge Farm. I made the goldfish crackers. And so (laughs) I supervised the production of goldfish crackers. Then I moved to Milano cookies. And so I did that. And then I moved to um, Memphis, Tennessee, where I worked for Smuckers, JM Smucker Company. And that's where, that's where people like your uncle, Michael, uh, know me because I was a jelly maker. And that's what I was, that was my story. I was a jelly maker. So I was a supervisor for the JM Smucker company and I worked third shift Mm. and we made strawberry jam and grape jelly. And, and, uh, that's that it was that, that time that I found network marketing. Mm. Mm. Well, okay. Like real, like juicy question. Did you get all like the goldfish and like the cookies (laughs) and the jelly that you wanted? (laughs) <laughs> so you don't like get a chance to take it all home, but they did give people stuff and they did get a chance. You got a chance to buy thrift at Pepperidge Farm. So basically Pepperidge Farm, like these places have really high standards that they put on the shelves and the stores mm-hmm. for the end consumer. And sometimes the product is still good, but it's not perfect. Maybe mm-hmm. the packaging wasn't perfectly lined up or maybe the ink was off but the cookies were great or the crackers Mm -hmm. were great. So we got a chance to buy that at home at a major discount. So I got Mm -hmm. my fair share of it. All of it. (laughs) I would be like, Ooh, give me those cookies. You know, like I'll take that. Let me tell you something. I gained part of my booty came from Pepperidge Farm cookies. Okay. Cause they, (laughs) they really are that good. They really are. That's hilarious. So like when you're at the grocery store, do you always have like this nostalgia about like working there? Every time it's so, it's so bad that I can look at a package and read the, uh, you know, when they tell you the sell by date or whatever, I can yeah. look at it and know exactly what plant they made it in. No way. Yeah. There's like a code to it. So I know exactly. And I'll look and go, this was my plant. So yes, I definitely <laughs> have. And you know, it's funny. My daughter is 12 now Yeah. and every if we'll walk by and she's like, mom, can I get some goldfish crackers? I was like, you know, she goes, I know you used to make them. (laughs) (laughs) You, but you have to remind her in case she, every time I said, well, you know, I know mom, you used to make these. Can I just get some of these? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so cute. Um, okay. So network, um, marketing. So that's kind of like the untraditional route. Um, very non-traditional. Yeah. Um, now is this where you took a company from bankruptcy to over a billion dollars in sales? That is the profession, but I didn't do that until I, I was in, I was in a company previous. So I was in the same company that your uncle was in. I was in that company for 11 years. Prepaid legal. Can we can prepaid legal? It's now called legal shield. It was like a legal insurance, like what medical coverage does for our health situations, this legal uh, shield does for your legal situations, right? So you always have somebody there to talk to you about all the crazy stuff that can come up. Um, I joined the company, not really 
knowing anything, but I just needed a chance and I needed to do something different to get something different. And so I spent 11 years in that company. I went from knowing absolutely nothing to one of the top distributors in the company, spoke Mm. on their stage in front of average 20,000 people every single year, a few times Mm. a year. Um, Got to a multiple six-figure income. It's funny, my goal was to make an extra 500 to $1,000 a month Mm. And after being there, I was earning um, almost, you know, 40, 40 grand a month um, part time from home. That company allowed me to walk away from manufacturing as a career. I never worked Mm. a job again. And it helped me when I got married and I had my daughter. I mean, I never I've always been a stay at home mom and she's Mm. 12 now. So it, it, it and it helped me grow up. It helped me grow into this leader, helped me realize that I can do it. Because that's what I think a lot of people don't believe. They don't believe that they can do it. They believe this person can do it. Well, they've got the qualifications, but mm, I don't know about me. And I went into that company like that. And Mm. I came out like, what needs to be done? I can do it. (laughs) I'm not even going to lie. So then I went there. The company got sold. Mm. And a lot of things changed. And it just wasn't the home that I had grown up in. Right. Mm. And so so, um, I found another company. And this company was failing. It had a soft launch and it wasn't going so great. And um, they were about to file bankruptcy and shut the doors, pause for uh, some time and then maybe try it again. And um, I was able to go over there with my then husband and uh, a couple of other people. And we went over there and I was able to, I created the systems as well as work in the field. I worked very closely with corporate and uh, we turned that whole thing around. It went from, you know, 2011, summer 2011, we think we're going to shut this whole thing down to being the fastest growing company in the industry with 114% growth year over year um, by 2014. So, wow. Wow. Yeah, That's it turned amazing. Into, turned into this incredible Cinderella story. And, yeah. uh, it, and it helped me become who you see now today. Yeah. What do you contribute to your success with like um, when you began your journey to prepaid legal and then got out of that and went to this other company? Why do you think you were so successful when you went into like most people do to network marketing? Maybe they're like, well, just try it. I don't know how good I'm going to be. But what made you so successful? What do you think? I feel like the first thing that made me successful is what you said. I didn't go in thinking I'll just try it and see how good I'm going to be. I went in and said, I want to make 500 to $1,000 a month and I'm not going to stop until I make 500 to $1,000 a month. Mm. I went in and said, look, these people are doing it because the guy who introduced me was worked for the post office. Okay. He worked at the post office. He didn't have a college education. Um, He had been in companies before and failed and he was making more money in a month than I was making in six months. And so I didn't go in with this dip my toe in type of attitude. Mm. I went in like, I, this is what I want. I didn't go in thinking I'd be a millionaire. I never even thought that big, but I said, I'm going to make 500 to a thousand dollars a month. And mm. I went in proving to deciding that I was going to prove to myself and prove to everyone who said it wasn't going to work, that mm. it was going to work. And I had no time limit on how long that was going to take. I, it, it did not matter to me. I didn't even have a time limit. I was just going to do it. And I think that's what a lot of people mess up, right? They, mess up like okay I'm gonna give it 30 days well Mm -hmm. what really can happen in 30 days Mm -hmm. like if you really think about it think about anything in life that we do for 30 days 
Like nobody's world is, is, is changed in 30 days. Right. So I'll give it 90 days. And so I learned early on that you have to give it at least a year, mm. be here a year from now. And so I heard that a lot, but I really never set a goal. I, I, I never set a time limit. I just said, this is what I'm going to do. And I was willing to be there until, and I am a voracious learner. Mm. And when I set my mind to it, I didn't even see, I didn't even really I don't know. I had been so good at other stuff. I really, mm. I really just thought I was going to do it. So yeah. I, I think I went in not arrogant, but kind of maybe a little bit like he can do it. I kind of <laughs> did. And yeah. then I got my ass handed to me like over and over and over again. I yeah. made the money, but it was a whole new education that I had to have on personal growth, on people skills, on communication on leadership. And Mm. so, so I made money, but I got humbled very quickly. uh, It didn't work the way the air force works. Didn't work the way manufacturing work. Didn't work the way college worked. And, um, but I was just determined enough to get good at it. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you the real thing is this. And if you stick around long enough, you will succeed. Mm. That's just all there is to it. You will succeed. The problem is people don't stick around long enough in marriage, mm. in health habits, in, mm. um, in jobs and career, and definitely in business and definitely in network marketing. Everyone's got a time limit. It's funny. I, I tell people all the time when I coach them in network marketing, nobody wants a get rich quick scheme, but they always get mad when they don't get rich. Quick. <laughs> right. They're like, yes, it's been three months. And I'm only making $400 a month. Like, yeah. Okay. You know? And so I've just learned that if I want it, I've just got it. Look, you can beat 90% of your competition by just staying in the game. Yeah. I love that you said, don't put um, a time limit. Cause that's what I was going to ask you. How long did it take to do that? Because I feel like um, before when I used to goal set, and sometimes I have to catch myself um, with like, okay, you're going to do this by a certain time. And then I feel like a failure if I don't reach it by a certain time. So I've kind of um, gone back on that time frame. Like, okay, if this is a goal that you really want, um, stick with it. And if it's not in your time frame, then it's not in the time frame. Um so I love that you said that. Also, I wanted to ask you when you started this um, entrepreneurial um, journey of network marketing, were you intrigued by law or was that like mm-hmm. all new to you? Okay. Yeah. It, I, I, I'll tell you, I'll answer both because I want to talk, go back to the time, the time thing. But um, it wasn't about law. It wasn't like, oh, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. Maybe this is the way it wasn't. I understood business. Yeah. Um, And so I was a business major. I understood business. I wanted to make money without having to work third shift 60 hours a week. Um, I never thought I would quit my job. So it wasn't law. I appreciated the service because um, my family had had legal situations before my father passed away and Mm. something like that would have helped us. But I wasn't in it for law. Um, okay. My second company was skincare and I didn't even really have a great, I didn't even have a real skincare regimen when I joined that company. Mm. I saw business. So I am a, like a business person. I love business. Some people's art is singing, dancing, writing. My art is business. 
mm-hmm. and leading people to achieve business goals. That's what I do. Yeah. And so when I see a good business, I'm all in. I've, I, and I, now I'm a serial entrepreneur because of that. So, um, so yeah, that's why I joined that because it was an incredible business opportunity I saw at that time for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I jumped in. I want to go back though, if I can, about the time. And you said you feel like a failure. Um, yeah. I've had that many times and that's why I wouldn't set goals. And when I started setting goals, I'd just be like, and if it ever happens, I'll be grateful. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. and you know, part of goal setting is, um, you know, you've, I'm sure you've heard of smart goal setting, yes. specific, measurable. measurable. So the last one is a time limit attached. And yeah. that's the, that, when I started setting goals, that was the scary part for me was mm. the time limit. Cause I was like, okay, I'll get it. I'll be specific. Okay. But the time limit is what would stress me out because I'm like 90 days, like mm. we're going to do this in 90 days. And that's where I would get freaked out. And here's what I've learned about the time limit. You set a time limit because we as humans are natural procrastinators. Mm. So if you don't have a time limit, you're going to be like, I'll get to it. You know, right. So you set a time limit to get you working sooner Mm. because the sooner you start working, not the sooner you achieve your goal, the sooner you become more. And Mm. that is what helps you achieve your goal. Right. So you set a time limit, like I'm going to get this by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Now you are, now you are like, you are pressed, right? You are, you are now there's a sense of urgency, right? And now you've got to get this done. And when you have the sense of urgency to get something done, you are now compounding your growth to become more. Yeah. And that is where success comes from is becoming more. Mm. That is really what happens. So you speed that up. Now, let's just say you became more, but it wasn't enough to get you there by the end, by the time that you wanted. Well, okay. you know what I do? I just move the marker. Mm. I just move the marker. It's that simple. It really is, right? It's really for me. You're like, it really is for me. Yeah. That's it. I was like, okay. What I do is I go, okay, well, we got 80% here. I didn't get this 20%. And I'll do what I learned a long time ago, plan, do review. And I'll say, okay, we did this. We did this. This, okay, this is what. And I'll just, I'll figure out what I did great so I can keep doing it. I'll figure out my areas of improvement so I can get help um, Mm. and do it better. And then I just moved the marker and I said, okay, we'll just, we'll just do it in another 90 days. And I give myself grace. Right. I give myself grace and I'm grateful for the growth that came up to that point because without the time limit, you probably wouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I, I think that's amazing. Um, how long did it take you to get you to your extra 500 to a thousand extra dollars a month? Uh, uh, the first month. <laughs> did it, really that quick. The first month. And um, yeah, it was the first month. And I, and I, I have a friend who is, I have a, quite a few friends who are extremely successful in our profession. One of them makes in a month what I used to make in a year at the height of my, at the height of my wow. um, success. Okay. But it took him five years to really become a success. Mm. And now he is the fourth highest income earner in the entire profession of network marketing. Wow. So that is why time doesn't matter. Right. You just have to do it until you just have to say, I'm going to, I want to do it this month. And your subconscious says, Whoa, you want to do it this month. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wake up, get up. You can't sleep in today. Right. Read that book, attract (laughs) this person. You know what I mean? Go here, 
and you get these nudges to help you get it done faster. If you don't get it done faster, you became so much more. But one thing that I've learned is no one, when you get to your, the winner circle, no one says, well, wow, I got here in four years. Why did it take you seven? It's just welcome to the winner circle. So the key yeah. is just, is just keep doing it. Yeah. I love that. And I think too, once you do get to the winner circle, people see that, but they didn't see the years prior to <laughs> falling and failing. But in reality, every single successful person you have seen has some kind of story and a million failures, you know? That's right. You know, I will say this. You said, how long did it take you to get to that 500 to a thousand month? I made a thousand dollars my first month. Mm. So it looked like I was a super success, but we talked about yeah, from 17, 17, I got a full scholarship to college. I was on the president's list. I worked my butt off for that. I made an unconventional decision to go against the grain and go into the air force. And I was a great airman. I worked my butt off there. I went through things. I grew there. I went into manufacturing. I worked 12 hour nights, three, you know, six nights a week. So even though I got there fast in network marketing, I had spent about a decade becoming the type of person that could follow systems, take the coaching and work my butt off to get there. So like you mm -hmm. said, I agree. I only said that to confirm from my own life yeah. that you're hundred percent right. You know, when people are like, wow, she got there. They had no idea what I had been doing. Ten Not that I was planning to go into network marketing, but those 10 years from getting a scholarship at 17 right. to making that decision really paved the way for me to be able to hit the ground running in that profession. Mm. Um, the fields that you've chosen, it seems like they were mainly male dominated. Is that, is that true? It is, it, I, you know, it, it's very true. It's yeah. very, very true. Um, yeah. Because even my network marketing company, was not a, a woman's company. You know, you have right. the companies like Mary Kay and Pamper yeah. Chef that are 100% or 99% women. Even my company was more men than women. So I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why I did that. Um, yeah. But it helped me. Yeah, it helped I me. I, I, it really did because it did two things for me. Um, I think it made me very bold, mm. made me very bold. It made me, it made me not think I'm good enough. I'm, I'm really good as a woman. You know, one of the things that I would hear is like, oh, she's a really great female trainer. She's mm. a really great female podcaster. She's a wonderful female CEO. And when you're the only woman or one of few in a male dominated, right. um, and you just want to be the best, yeah. you, you, don't, you don't run in the girls race. Not that the girls race is whatever, but yeah. you just run. And, um, that's what helped me. It, I just ran. And so I do business with anyone, right? Yeah. I sit down at any table. I command any stage. I have followed Pitbull, like Pitbull, the performer. Oh, he wow. performed a full concert with fire and half naked dances, <laughs> dancers. And I have to come behind him and do a talk, um, uh. And a lot of people are freaking out for me, but, you know, so I think that male dominated thing, I think there's a lot we can learn from men and it's not mm -hmm. all about not being emotional. It's about their drive and their single-minded focus mm -hmm. uh, that we as women, I think I learned as a woman from them. I, I benefited from their single-minded focus. And even as a mom and, and I was married, I know what it's like to have to come home and 
cook dinner and do bath mm-hmm. and still do business. But I learned to focus on what I'm doing at the time, which is something men do well. Um, I learned to not give a crap because men really don't. Yeah. Like if they do, they don't show it. If they have decided this is how it is, they don't care. Like right. the really strong ones, they could be wrong as I don't know what. And they will just <laughs> keep pushing for I learned that from them, too. Yeah. Um, I learned to let things go a lot faster in mm. business because men will just men will argue and then be boys and be playing basketball later that day. Right. I learned a lot of things from them. And I also learned a lot of things about leadership that I don't want to be. Oh, yeah. So I had a front row seat to too much testosterone and right. egos and arrogance mm. and um, lack of sensitivity. So mm. it helped me become who I am, that it doesn't matter who I'm in front of. I can be exactly what you need me to be mm. to help get this thing done. So that's yeah, amazing. I, yeah, it, it turned out good. I, I, I made it turn out good because I know some women who became one of the guys. Right. And um, I'm very feminine energy. I mean, even though I can come across like strong, hear me roar, but I'm feminine energy to the core. And I got lost in that early in my entrepreneurial career. Like, do I need to be more like this? And I kind of operated outside of my authentic vibe for a little while. And then I pulled it back in and now I know how to be strong. I know how to be powerful, powerful. I know how to be courageous and still be me. Mm. And, um, and I learned that from being around men and learning the good and not so good and then working with everybody. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't know how I got to all male dominated things though, but <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, I asked you, I asked you. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I still oh, don't know yeah. How you I don't know how that. you chose that, that path, but yeah, it's interesting. Totally interesting. Um, let's talk about the work that you do now. So you help individual coaches succeed in their, um, MLMs, or if I'm, uh, not misunderstanding that. No, no, you're right. Now I'm retired from actively building. So I'm not in a company and I help distributors. So if a person is in a company and they're feeling kind of stuck or lost, or just want to learn how to do it and do it well. Um, people, I, I coach people in, in doing that. I coach leaders and leading their team. I coach distributors and getting teams. I consult and help companies strengthening their, their, their sales forces, but I just help people, all things, network marketing and direct sales, get it, do it better, do it more authentically mm. and uh, do it in a way that will sustain. Yeah. And it seems like too, like, what you, um, I, I like watching your like Instagram stuff or your, your posts. It's, it's real. Um, and you're there to like teach, you know, and help because you've been through these things in the past too. And you're, you're showing, um, you're vulnerable, you know, in a sense of like, you're showing like, you know, I came from this and now, you know, you may see this or whatever. So, um, I think that's awesome. And you're also, yeah, you're also a published author. Can you talk about that? I I wrote a book, um, a long time ago that keeps resurfacing, but, um, I wrote a book called 30 days to a better you. And I actually have another book that we're working on getting out and another version of this book, but I wrote a book, uh, to help people change the trajectory of their year Mm. in 30 days. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it for a women's event that I was doing, the attendees of my women's event, just to give them something to go home with yeah. and take the event with them and actually apply it, not just be excited for a little while, but actually apply it. 
And um, it wasn't even a book. The funny thing about it is, this is why you got to write goals down. I wrote down that I wanted to publish a book, that I wanted mm. to be an author of a book. And and it was on my dream board, but I, wa- I hadn't seen it in a while, right? I, it wasn't like, oh, I got to get a book. And it's yeah. funny, um, I typed out this book. This is a long time ago. This is like 2010. Mm. I, typed, I typed out this book and um, my assistant, my team, we printed it out. I had over 500 women at this event. And so mm. we made 500 copies. There was an assembly line. They stapled it together. <laughs> it was all in black and white. I did my talk and I said, I have a gift for you guys. I want you to take this home and just just take this little workbook and work it for the next 30 days to apply everything that you've had here. I'm going to be there with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be there with you through this book and you're going to start your year off amazing. And it came back. People were like, okay, this was so good. Can you, can I get more copies? I want to do this again with my mom and my sister. I have a little book club and we want to do it. And I was like, everybody wants copies of this little black and white workbook thing that I made. And then my then husband, my husband, he was my husband. He said (laughs) like that. Didn't you say you wanted to be an author of a book? Like, didn't you want to publish a book? And then he literally went into my office, like slid in the, you know, in between a bookcase and he goes, isn't this on your dream board? And I was like, he said, so let's publish it. And it sold like 10,000 copies over the next year, back of the room Wow. <laughs> it's insane. It that was is absolutely crazy. insane. Then someone found it again, like in 2016. Okay. And like, hey, I'm trying to buy it. And so I went and published it again with a different yeah. cover and okay. sold, you know, some more. And then, and now I've made it just for direct sales because someone found it again. They're like, look, my team, this was, so I'm like, I don't yeah. know. It's like the book that keeps on giving back, but yeah. yeah, but it was, yeah. So I did. And I have other stuff coming out too. I'm working on something for next year, but yeah, mm. that's that, that one book that one, it's amazing how one thing you can do mm. can change somebody's life. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's what's happening. That's so cool. That's awesome. I have a friend who has all of the copies. Really? She has, she has the, the photocopy one. She has yeah. the first one and she has the, she has the first real book and she has the second real book. It's hilarious. She sends oh me pictures God. and she's got them all there. So now that is a ride or die friend. Like I got you, bitch, you know, like, <laughs> like I have everything you have ever created because and she I is. believe in you. Yeah. And yeah. she is. She oh, definitely I, is. I love that. Um, okay. Before we go, I have, uh, one more question to ask you. I would say that 99% of the people listening today are, um, are women and are a leader in, in some aspect of their life. Um, whether it's leading a family or at a job, or, um, maybe they are the matriarch of their friends. Um, and they're so used to just like you pouring in to Mm. other people. What, um, what do you recommend or how do you pour into yourself so that you can give so much to others? That's a really, really great question. Um, First thing I do is I prioritize myself. Mm. I prioritize myself. I, I'm my first my priority. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't, but I am my first priority. And 
Uh, there's a book called You by Frances Wilcher. Wilshire. It was written in the early 20th century. And she talked about how women don't make themselves a priority. And one of the visuals that she used was you can't take anything out of an empty bag. Mm. You can't take anything out of an empty paper bag. And so many of us are empty and we keep trying to give and we keep trying to give and we keep trying to give and you just can't give anything. You can't take anything out of an empty bag. So mm. for me, I prioritize myself first. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is I keep a calendar. I keep a calendar. And, and I don't mean like one of those like calendars that's like micromanaged, like, you know, in the course of a week or the course of a month. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do today for me. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do this week for me. This is what I'm going to do this month for me yeah. and everything and everybody else. We're going to work around that. Yeah. And so daily I start my day with my, my warm lemon water, my daily devotion, my, mm. um, my gratitude journal, my quiet time. Um, I do that every day for myself. I work out, get to the gym every day for myself because I find when I do, I just feel like, oh, this is getting done, you know? And, yeah. I, and I start that as early as possible for myself. Um, during, throughout the day, I will tell my daughter, because I'm here with my daughter and my nephew now, and I will say, hey guys, mm. I need 20 minutes. I mm. need 30 minutes. The next however much time, mm -hmm. don't, don't come in here. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't knock on this here. door. <laughs> don't knock. Don't Leave me alone. She's not here. <laughs> right. This is my daughter. My daughter will be like, I know she'll send me a text. I know you said don't bother you. This is a bother. Like, yeah. don't do it. So I, I and, and I do it in love. And, I, and the reason yeah. why I did it is like with um, like Francis Wilshire said, when you when you don't take care of yourself, you're teaching your children how to treat you and mm. you're teaching them how to treat themselves and the people in their lives. So I'm teaching my daughter to mm -hmm. not take care of herself if I don't take care of me. I'm teaching my daughter to put everyone else's needs first if I don't put my needs first. I'm teaching mm. my, my nephew, who's like a son to me now, I'm teaching him how to treat women and what to expect from women Right. if I don't do this for myself. So the first thing I do is I prioritize myself and I put me on my calendar every day, mm. every week, every month. Um, the next thing I would say that I do for me is I have gotten really good at no. I uh -huh. learned that no is a complete sentence mm. and I don't, I will say no. I will say I can't. It's right. just not, it's just not, it's just not happening. It's just, there's no way I can fit it in. And I've learned gracefully to say that where a person doesn't feel like, oh, but I do still say it. And, yeah. and I've learned to say it to the point where a person will be like, oh, well, what, what can we do? Well, mm. I, I just really want to make this happen. So let's figure it out. And I have boundaries around me and my time so much that other people are, will shift their boundaries mm. to me. And so I've learned no and putting me first. And then I would say lastly, um, what pours into me, I, I said, I start my day with my devotion, but I stay very much as close to God as I possibly can. Mm. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> for me, it's God for whoever, but you gotta yeah. stay close to a source mm -hmm. that is bigger than you, stronger than you, wiser than you, and more and, and, and infinite, right? Mm. Because otherwise you're going to feel this finite amount of energy because mm -hmm. we all have it, this right. finite amount of wisdom, 
finite amount of patience, you know, yeah. finite amount of happiness, joy, and time. And you're, you're going to feel at some point depleted, like you can't get it done. And mm. for me, when I stay close to God, my creator, my source, I can tap into constantly have flowing through me, infinite wisdom, infinite mm. patience, infinite, um, time. And, uh, yeah. it, it, uh, it levels me out and it, yeah. it allows me to um, regroup and operate the best mm. I can. So beautiful. Yeah. Where can listeners find you? On Instagram at I am Tiffany Beverly. It's uh, Tiffany with an E, E-Y, mm-hmm. Beverly, just L-Y. But I'm on Instagram right now as I am Tiffany Beverly. I am excited to say Um, and ask that you do follow me now because there is a big pivot coming. And Mm. um, once again, (laughs) we talked about my different paths. This one's coming at the end of 2021, early 2022. Really? Um, Yes. I am shifting again, doing a big pivot um, Mm. to a new path that is uh, purposeful for me. Mm. And where I am and who I've grown into and what I feel God is calling me to do next. So mm. I would love for you guys to follow me. And, yeah, I can't um, wait. Stay tuned. Yeah. And maybe we can revisit and I can tell you about that uh, early yeah. next year. That would be amazing. And I, like always, I always leave my guests information in the show notes every single time. So I'll have a link right there. All you have to do is go to the show notes and right below this episode and click and you can follow Tiffany. She has great content. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. This was an awesome conversation. It was just fun. Yay. Good. I'm so glad you guys, if you love this episode, make sure you screenshot it. You tag Tiffany and myself on Instagram. Let us know what you loved about this episode. Maybe what the biggest takeaway from this episode, uh, Tiffany had these like a million, I feel like golden nuggets. So what, what did she say that you're like, Ooh, you know, have you had you pause? So we'll love to hear that. And remember you guys, you got this. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love this episode, make sure you are subscribed so you know when more episodes come available. My goal is to inspire others to become their vision and one way to get the word out is with reviews. I would really appreciate it if you left an honest review on iTunes and it would mean so much to me. Thanks again and remember to go after the life you want. Bye guys. Bye guys.